So we are doing a sermon. We're going to do four weeks in the book of Colossians. And I started preparing this a while ago, and I realized that like um, Rob did with the Galatians sermon, you could probably easily get to 12 weeks, uh, but I only get four weeks. So we are going to do kind of the fast overview of the book of Colossians. Um, let's start by, I'm going to give you a bit of a background. So Colossians is one of the, uh, we call them the letters or the epistles that was written by Paul. And it was written by Paul while he was in jail. Uh, we think probably during his jail time, he went to jail a few times, we think probably during his jail time in Rome, what puts it about uh, 59 to 62 AD. So about 30 years after Jesus died. So Paul's in Rome and he um, has this guy named Epaphras come and see him. And Epaphras is the person that actually planted the church in the town of Colossae. So uh, the town is in present-day Turkey, and it's about 110 miles from Ephesus. So Paul had planted this big church in the town of Ephesus, and um, from that, people had become Christians, and they'd gone out from there, and they planted other churches. And so there, there were two churches that were planted, the one um, in Colossae and then another one in Laodicea. And in this letter, Paul has said that he sent out these two letters, one to each of the two churches, and he wants the letters to be read. So this, this letter in the Colossian church and the other letter in the church in Laodicea, and then for them to switch and read them to each other. So unfortunately, we don't have the, church, the letter to the church in Laodicea anymore. We only have this um, letter to the church in Colossians. So it's too bad. I would have liked to know what Paul said to the other church. But that's where it is. And what has happened is... Um, this church has been planted. There's good things happening in it. Paul writes and commends about some things, but there's also some trials and some things that they're going through. And so Paul is kind of like the grandfather of the church, the wise elder statesman, is sending a letter uh, to encourage them and to um, just give them some further teaching and to strengthen them in uh, who Jesus is and why he has authority in their lives. So for, let's read the first section, which is about what Paul thought that they were doing right. Colossians 1, 3 to 8. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Okay, here's our first slack question. If someone was writing a letter to Promise Church, what are some of the things they would commend or congratulate us on? So I'm going to check. I'm going to look at your answers in a bit, but let's let's um, answer that question for me. Uh, I just pulled out a couple things that Paul was commending the church for, the Colossian church for, that I think it would be great for, um, and I think he does commend us as a church um, at Promise. So. Um, this is a this is a ch letter to a church. So, 
As individuals, we like to take the things that are, that are in the Bible and apply them to ourselves, especially we're kind of an individualistic society right now. But this was written to a corporate body. And so I'm going to look at this from a corporate body point of view. So what corporately, as Promised Church, as this, what is the identity that um, Paul is calling out that we could also uh, have here? So it says, faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. When we show love for each other as a church body, then we are an example of what it looks like to be a community of love. When we show love for one another, when people come in here and see our love for each other, especially in this um, broken, hurting, disconnected world, it, it asks them, why are these people different? And so that's one of the things that they're commended for and that I believe, I believe that we are a loving church here at Promise. And it's something that we should strive for and um, really focus on. So that's being loving. The other thing is corporate outreach. So um, the word of the truth, the gospel, which is bearing fruit and increasing, increasing in Colossae like it is in the whole world. So... Basically, if we do it on our own, if we reach out one-on-one, -on -one, it's good, but it can be intimidating. When we come together as a church, when a church lives a gospel-centered existence, it will bear fruit. So that means we will reach other people. We have something to invite people into. We're known as the church that cares about the community. We become known as the church that wants to teach others about Jesus. Again, it's not necessary individual in nature, though it is us that has to do it, but we do it with a corporate um, focus. And then it, that makes it a lot less intimidating. And we do have a way that we can do this, and that is Promise Grants, which of course we love here at Promise Church is our Promise Grants. So those are two ways that um, Paul commended the church in Colossae to be uh, known for their love and to be known for outreach and being into the community. All right, I am going to check Snack. If there is anything about Sharknado, I'm... Yeah, yeah, okay. Awesome, promise grants, way to go. One of the things we're known for. Um, on a desire to connect and serve with, uh, connect with and serve the community. Gathering with free food. Well, that's very important. Um, yes, uh, we value and teach scriptures. Uh, congratulate us on our support for each other beyond just Sunday mornings. That is a big part of it, right? Welcoming new people and encouraging them to meet others in the body and get involved where they, where they are able. And the Holy Spirit abides in us. When people meet us, they come into contact with God, the Holy Spirit. And I think they would congratulate us not resting on our hands, of being a church that constantly questions and listens and focuses on growing more and deeper in relationship with God. Awesome. Those are all great answers. Um, so in the next section, Paul prays for the Colossian church. So I'm just going to read that. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and so as to walk a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So I, uh, Rob asked me this question. What does Paul pray for the Colossians that I would pray for a promised church? What are the things that I'm passionate about that um, I just would like to see happen in promised church? The first thing is um, that we should pray for spiritual wisdom. Um, that comes from that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. In Proverbs 9, 8 to 10, it says, Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Um, we want you guys to grow in wisdom. We all want to grow in wisdom in the Lord. And so um, we, as Promise Church, we need to take advantage of the opportunities that are available to learn more about God and his word. And so um, we try and think of ways that we can do this. We try and um, come up with ideas that can build you guys up. One of them is the Life of Christ Bible study that we're doing on Wednesday night. So every Wednesday we gather here at the church. Um, there's like eight of us and we go, we're going chronologically through the life of Christ. And I've read about the life of Christ. I've, I've been a Christian. This is kind of scary for 40 years now. I've read it a whole bunch of times. But we have some great discussions there about what does that mean? Did he really do that? What does that look like? How does that impact our life? So it is never too late to join Life of Christ on a Wednesday night. Even if you can't commit to every week, come join us, listen to what uh, Jesus, what's happening, what Jesus is doing, all the amazing things he did during his um, time here on earth. Um, the second thing we have, um, we used to call them promise groups, but we're going to start doing something called a community of care. And that's going to be um, launching. We're, we're kind of working on it. We're hoping to launch it in the fall when we celebrate our four years of Promise Church. And that's where you're just going to have opportunities there to connect with, each, with people, to do different Bible studies and all that kind of thing. But we're going to encourage you when it comes up to connect with your community care. And the last thing is the thing we do here on Sunday morning, which we call experiential discipleship. When we do Lectio and when we have times of prayer and when we do testimonies and stuff like that, that's good for Sunday morning, but it's meant for us to take with us into the week. We don't want you to just only pray on Sunday mornings, obviously, or only read your Bible on Sunday mornings. Those are habits that we want to help you develop to do um, throughout the week. So that's the first thing I would pray for you guys. The second thing, we should pray for an understanding of Christ's work in our life, uh, that we would be strengthened for all endurance and patience with joy is where it comes from. Paul prayed that we would have endurance, but why do we need endurance if all of our sins have been forgiven? What do we need endurance for, right? But we know that um, just because our sins have been forgiven, we still have a life that we have to lead. In 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the 
that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, you've heard me say this before. God, life's not fair, but God is good. And uh, uh, one of the things uh, that I truly believe is that uh, God never promised us that we wouldn't have tough times once we become a Christian, but he promised us that he would be by our side for all of those times. And so, um, so a life in Christ is way more than forgive, forgiveness. It's actually a companion for the rest of our life on this journey that we call life through good times and through bad times. So that's another thing I would pray for us. And lastly, I, I would pray that, um, that we should pray for delivery from the domain of darkness. Um, we have an enemy. We have an enemy that prowls around. We have an enemy that likes to bring um, darkness into our lives. We know that. We are, this world is not yet what it will be when Christ comes again. And as Christians, we, we need to live in that. And the domain of darkness tries to get at us all the time. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not, that you may not grieve as others who do not have any hope. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I saw, I was on Facebook, the great bastion of information. And um, it's funny because you're, you're friends with people on Facebook, but some of the people I'm friends with on Facebook, I haven't seen in like five or 10 years, right? And uh, so I, I watched as um, two different situation happens. There was two deaths that were quite tragic. One was a sudden death, an older person and from a family that does not know the Lord. And then the other one um, was a friend of mine whose son is only a month older than my son Sam, so 21. And he passed away from cancer after a, a one-year uh, battle with that. And I just watched my girlfriend, Lori, who knows the Lord and loves the Lord. And um, of course, there's incredible sadness, and there's incredible despair, and I don't know why a 21-year-old uh, doesn't get to live the rest of their life, but she knows, and as she just beautifully expressed on Facebook, it's not what we want, but we know where he is, and we'll be with him again, and that is the thing that as a church, we can, we are able to offer people a hope beyond the grave a hope that goes into eternity. And that is something that uh, the world doesn't have, and it's something that makes um, our relationship with Christ so beautiful, is that we can fight against the domain of darkness, and we can be transferred into the kingdom of his beloved Son. When we demonstrate corporately that death does not define our end, we are an example to the world of a better story. Um, the three things that we're praying for are spiritual wisdom, understanding of Christ's work in our life, and delivery from the domain of darkness. They're not done in our own strength. All of these prayers can only be answered because of Jesus, which is where we get this to our topic from. Um, this next section of the Bible is an incredible picture of who Christ is and why he has the authority to ask us to follow him and be like him. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So here's your next slack question. What stands out to you about Jesus in this passage that we just read? Um, this passage is basically, these are the credentials that give Jesus the authority to demand change in our lives. This is because of him. Um, because of Jesus, we can be the things he's called us to be. So I just want to highlight some of them. Jesus is God in the flesh. Uh, Jesus is God with the skin on. It says, um, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So this is not a God uh, that's, uh, that we can't see. This isn't a God who is, you know, made of wood or anything like that. He actually came from heaven, took on our body, and um, we actually got to see God in the flesh. Uh, he says he's the firstborn of creation. Jesus is not a second-rate created God. Firstborn of the, all, all that's created is like, um, it's not like he was the first thing created. It's that he's the firstborn. He's the heir. He inherits all of it. He gets it all. All of this is for Jesus because he came and he died for us. Um, everything has been created. Everything that has been created was created by him and through him. He is the reason that everything exists and still exists. He was at creation, and he'll be here for all of eternity. Jesus is the head of the church. He didn't just come, do his thing, and then leave. He's actually the head. We aren't just left to figure it out on our own. And then he is the example of what the church should look like. He's our... Um, when we want to know, how do, I, how do I act in this situation? What do I do here? We have a God who came and demonstrated those things for us um, here on earth. He's the first to rise from the dead. He's the first in everything. Jesus came to reconcile everything and everyone to himself through his death on the cross. And this invitation is for everyone. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter anything. He's the one that came and, um, to make a way for everyone to come into a relationship with him. Um, it is through him that we have eternal access to a relationship with God. Um, we used to have to, in the Old Testament, they used to have to go to the temple, and that's where they could experience God. But when God, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil in the temple was torn open, and now we can have uh, just intimate uh, interactions with him daily, anywhere we are, anywhere on earth. And with the Holy Spirit living in us and connecting with God, we have a, access to God in a way that they never did before Jesus. And then we will rise from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, 
and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and so we no longer have to keep the law to have access to God. It's through Jesus' death that we can. Um, I'm going to check our Slack. What stands out to you about Jesus questions now? All right. Um, all right. Being the image of God, we get to see the Father through Jesus. In him, all things hold together. Some days, this is the most important verse in Scripture. Jesus is not a new development in God's plan, but from God's plan and from the beginning. God the Father spoke it, and Jesus the Son created it. The full-on deity of Christ. Yeah, this, um, I love the whole Jesus is God in the flesh, right? I think that when we look around and we see the things that people are trying to worship, in our day and day, day and age, and we have a God who we know, we can read about, we can relate to, we can emulate. He's the first, he's the last, he is all of it. Um, I am going to end there, so I'm just going to close in prayer and then come back next week and find out all the other exciting things that Jesus said to the Colossian church. God, we just thank you. Oh, Jesus, you're just such an incredible God. You make a way for us. You bring us into relationship. You desire to be um, intimate with us in a way that no other God can because you came and you walked and you defeated death and you showed us how to live. And so, God, I pray that we would um, focus on you, that we would emulate you, that we would be a church that's known as a church of love, of care, that we would go out into this world and tell people about you and how incredible you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you all back here next week.